match day two is officially complete and we're halfway into match day three already. And dare I say, football has been exceptional. Winners, losers, unexpected results, comebacks, downright stinkers, it's all been amazing to watch and has left us with loads to talk about. Today on the pod, we'll walk you through the major headlines, discuss upcoming fixtures, and this time, introduce a new segment called Table Discussion. But more on that later. It's the final match day and we're just about getting ready for the knockout rounds. Lots of interesting analysis, fixtures and debates to come. This is Pub Time Euro, let's get into it. Suddenly red shirts flooding back, chance for Cristiano Ronaldo! 2-2! Southgate, the defender, it's been saved! And here's Gascoigne. Here comes Edit. Not got much help. Oh, he doesn't need any help. How about that? Through for Balotelli. He was onside when the ball was played. Can Balotelli get a double? He can! And he smashed it! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pub Time Euro 2020 podcast the show where we give you our football insights and analyses for the Euros 2020 tournament. Today, we're joined by the original four, uh, myself, Philip, Martin and Joshua. And if you don't know the group yet, we are a beginner podcast group who discuss the latest football updates and give our opinions on them. We also have special guest appearances throughout some of the future episodes as well. And feel free to check out our previous Euro 2020 episode on Spotify, Anchor or Anchor, and please feel free to follow the podcast on Twitter at PubTimeFooty for the latest updates and notifications. Right, match day two is over, and we've already he- headed in to match day three. Uh, we've already seen Italy, Wales, the Netherlands, Austria, Belgium, and Denmark all seal their spots in the final 16, but a few teams lie waiting in agony as their campaigns are dependent on external results. That being said, quite a bit to talk about over both match days. Right, to jump right in, England drew to Scotland in the second group game. And I must say, very disappointing result, given that that England are one of the favourites to win the whole competition. Uh, They play the Czechs next and could use a favouring result, despite having two of the main stars, Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell, having to self-isolate due to interaction with uh, COVID-diagnosed Billy Gilmore of Scotland. So how poor do we think the English game has been up to now? And where is Southgate going wrong? And how do we think they'll line up against the Czech Republic? Uh, Joshua, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So I think that England have been really poor. You know, to draw to Scotland, you know, a lot of fans were going into that game expecting a thumping or uh, a Scotland disaster class, you know, but... It is very disappointing to see that they hardly got a scrap at goal. I know that Stones hit the the post once, but that's not good enough, honestly. They should be creating more chances. Um, I know that Southgate took off Kane in like the 60th or the 70th. I, I'm not sure when specifically. But overall, it's been really poor. And I do think some of it does come down to Garrett Southgate. As much as I like the guy, he... 
some of his tactics have really been questionable. So I think that now he's going to have to have a sincere think about what he's going to do against the Czech Republic. He's going to have to go with his with his main assets, uh, particularly because Mount and Chilwell are are out of the next game. So he's going to. I think that he'll have to go with his stronger squad, purely out of the fact that he's been doing a bunch of rotation up till now. Um, I think that maybe if if he's lucky, I think Jack Grealish might actually get a chance to play. Um, Maguire too in defense. I know that England have, they've seriously lacked something in the at the back four without Maguire. I I don't think that, you know, Mings as as decent as he's been, I don't think exact he's exactly the man for the job. James I think should be replaced for Trippier, and then you know he maybe needs to go a bit more attacking. Maybe play Sancho, Grealish, and you know Henderson as well. He's a true leader. Maybe even Rashford. Because there are a lot of good names in there that he has to utilise. And he has to go with a stronger squad. Even if it means having to bench some of his personal favourites. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think... I To be honest, I think it's going to be heavy rotation in that game. Because all they need is a point. And as maybe we've talked about previously, I can't quite remember. But if England finish second, then they don't have to deal with tougher opposition from Group F. So it might be one of those where the ideal result for England is a draw. So maybe that will sort of be in the back of the minds. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but I could still see pretty heavy rotation, especially in attack with, you know, players such as Sancho, uh, Bellingham, you know, uh, Rashford as well. Uh, All of those who haven't been given a chance to play so far and we've seen with England in previous tournaments that they tend to sort of rotate a lot in the last group game so I think there'll be heavy rotation but Philip what do you think has been sort of the problem for England so far and why why results haven't really been going their way I mean sort of what Joshua said they do lack the creativity up front to create those good chances to score and even when they do create the chances they've not taken them even Harry Kane, the best one of the best strikers in the world, has he's missed his chances. But the the defense has been fine. I like to think uh, Mings has done surprisingly well, in my opinion. Uh, we've seen four different wingbacks play, and all four did a decent enough job. Uh, yes, Maguire will be better for England as a captain and as a centre half when they do play the likes of France and Germany. But the defense has not been the problem. But when you score one game. Two goals against Croatia and Scotland, something is not going right. And I would like to see Sancho, especially, given a chance to perform under Southgate. Grealish play. I think Jude is going to play Jude Bellingham instead of Mason Mount. And then maybe Rashford on the left. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. I don't know what's going on inside Southgate's head. I think it might be hard to predict, but something along those lines is probably likely. Lineup, but you think that the main problem is that we haven't really been, or they haven't really been creating chances rather than because for me, I think a big part of the problem is you know they knock around the ball a lot and they create chances, but then they don't really. Kane's lying too deep for me, and since Sterling's played both games and we know how his finishing is, Kane is lying very deep. We see especially for Spurs, how he did lie deep to 
start the play because Spurs have no other player to start the play. Here, I would like to see a Kane that's more fi- higher up, play more like Lewandowski. He wants to be in the right time, at the right place, and just do what Kane does, score goals, let the other players bring up the play. They have quality players in there. But um, I don't think they've been missing too many chances. Yes, Harry Kane missed, what, a sitter. Sterling missed a good chance, but they haven't been missing too many. I think they need to create more. In terms of England, England's uh, actual gameplay, this whole, you know, sidewards passing and then backwards passing, it's, it doesn't suit them at all. England are a very attacking squad, especially with the players they have. They have to utilise that. They have to start going down the flanks, start creating chances, start whipping the ball in, you know what I mean? If, you, if you're simply, you know, passing it backwards, passing it to the side, that's not entertaining football. It's not the football that's going to get them through. And, you know, they shouldn't be doing this whole long passing and, like, you know, just quick, short, move it forward. And they have the players to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly before we move on, who do we think has been England's best player and worst player so far? I'm going to go first. I'm going to say best player, Calvin Phillips, worst player, Harry Kane. What about you, Josh? I'm not sure, really. I think that... I mean, Sterling did bag the goal, but at the same time, I can easily see how you might think Calvin Phillips because he's been, as described, he's the Yorkshire pillow. So, yeah, I think I don't think that Sterling's done too much for England attacking-wise. Um, so I'll give it to Calvin Phillips. He's been the best probably so far. And then the worst is probably Kane, I guess, because he's... Yeah, he's not done it. He's done. He's not done enough. For one of the best attackers in the world, he should be doing more. He should at least be getting shots on target. What about you, Philip? Worst is one hundred percent, without a doubt, Terry Kane. The best, I do not want to give to anyone. That's a fair assessment, honestly. Yeah, that uh, fair, harsh but fair to be honest. Um, but right, let's move on. So Spain drew to Poland one all in Sevilla. And Spain are now third on the group in the group with just two points and need a win against Slovakia really to get into the qualification places. So, I mean, we've previously analysed Spain Sweden, uh, the Spain Sweden game, and we saw a few positives in Spain and their play. So, what do we think is going wrong for Spain now, despite the best effort, and why have they struggled to win games and? I'm going to ask you, Martin, first, because uh, I wasn't asking you a lot in the last segment. Um, well, I think we can see the same problems um, that Spain had against Sweden, right? Just not enough, like not a world-class finisher that you will need to win Euros. Morata um, did score, um, but he missed out on a lot of other uh, chances, as well as every other player in the Spain team, right? Gerard missing probably the most crucial penalty in Spain in their tournament. And yeah, then the rebound, Morata misses it as well. So Spain, they have a lot of ball possession, but they just lack the creativity or, or like a leader. Obviously, um, they don't have their uh, captain now, but they, they just lack the leader to start with like an actual good attack, except for just, you know, throwing the ball in front of the goal and, hoping that Morata will finally or, or score again, you know. So I think we can see the same problem. Um, 
as England is having with Harry Kane and just not being able to score. And uh, yeah, it's just they, they need a striker like Lukaku. That's just that, that's their only solution, but they don't. So I, I don't see Spain doing well this Euros because they have a problem and I, I can't see them finding a solution to it. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, they sort of need that. You know, do you think if how many for just for a question, if they had say Ronaldo or Lukaku up front, how many goals do we think they would have scored so far? Um, way more. It's pretty difficult to say, but at least against Sweden, one I would say two, um, and then against Poland, they played a bit better than uh, Sweden. So I think probably uh, three goals, maybe. Yeah, that says massive difference. So far, they've only scored one. So. It's a bit of a problem with finishing then, do you think? Um, another question, I'm going to direct this one to you, Philip. What's your take on uh, Farron Torres not starting? Maybe I've just missed some news, but for me, I, for me, it came sort of out of the blue that he was benched because I think he was, he's been one of Spain's better performers. Uh, or what do you think? I think it's an interesting decision, but in the end, I do like it. I love Jared Moreno as a player. He performed... Amazingly in the league, getting 23 goals and 7 assists in 33 games. So I think he definitely deserved a start for the Spanish team. At the expense of Torres is a different question. I think we could have easily seen Moreno at striker and then Torres at right wing and show Morata that he's not invincible in this team just because they have no other proper number nine. Uh, but I think all in all, it was the right decision to bring Jared Moreno in. I have to agree, I just would have maybe liked to see him a bit more at striker, you know, because the problem has been more at finishing, maybe. But, um, yeah, I agree. Finally, Joshua, what do you think, what's your problem with Spain being so far? Or do you think that we've covered it pretty well? I think it's, yeah, you covered it pretty well, but I just think that Spain have been god-awful. It's been, we can officially say that the Spanish era is over. Because even though that, you know, even though the gameplay and the tactics are pretty decent. The passing, the passing game seems to work to an extent. Seems to work to an extent. It is rather free flowing football. They need a striker, and because they don't have a striker, they have paid. Because Morata, I'm sorry, but he needs to be benched for the next game. I, I seriously think so. I think Fernand Torres needs to play over Morata. Like Philip said, maybe put uh, Jared Moreno up top and then Torres on the on the right because I do think that Morata I'm giving him a lot of stick here but he has been one of Spain's worst performers you can't be missing that many chances in this import in these important games if you're struggling to win against Poland who no offense they're pretty god awful if you are struggling to win against Poland I don't think you deserve a place in the knockout rounds so th I think it's just been awful. He, I mean, Morata. I mean, how many how many chances has this guy had? Like seriously, he had the one against against Sweden. He bottled that. He did score one against Poland, but then he missed. Um, uh, he missed against Poland as well. On that, he missed an open goal as well. So I just think that it's been awful finishing from the Spaniards, and I think that. Their tournament is just about done for if they play Morata up top against Slovakia and they don't give maybe Fernand Torres a, ch a chance. Yeah, but Josh, you can't only blame it on Morata. I mean... Because 
Obviously, like, yeah, but like, yeah, the Spanish play is a bit, a bit slower ever since the Sweden game. But again, I like to think that possession wins you games. I like to think that, but in cases like this, it, it's hard to argue for that because it does come down to poor finishing. Morata should have scored that rebound. Um, you can see the same for Shaka. Uh, like he literally missed the penalty. For Moreno, yeah, I mean, he missed the penalty. Yeah, that's it's just poor finishing from the whole Spanish from the whole Spanish team in general. But Morata should be doing better. He did score. Yeah, obviously he should be doing better. If a team loses, then generally the striker should be doing better. But so far he's had some pretty good chances, but not like chances that it's impossible for him to miss, right? Because I mean, he he should no, he right? should have scored that rebound. I'm sorry, but he yeah, should have scored. Obviously he could, right? But he was literally running straight towards the ball and the ball came right on his feet and he did not have the reaction or like direction time to actually put like direction to the ball. He hit it, but he just hit it. He spooned it away. I think, I mean, I yeah, think if we go back to that point, even like... Even though Morata isn't playing well, I think he would have definitely scored that if he had a little bit more time. I think that if we go back to that point about Ronaldo possibly being in the Spain squad, I think Spain would... I think all those chances that Spain missed would have been goals. Yeah, but you're comparing the second plus best player in the world to Morata. That's kind of unfair as okay, well, right? Fine, Obviously, any still, team would compare with Ronaldo. Fair enough, but I, I, even with a player like Depay or Kane, still, it's too poor for Morata. In my opinion, he needs to be benched. He, uh, Luis Enrique, Enrique needs to try something new. Also, you have to take into account that the teams they've been playing are very defensive, right? Sweden is the most defensive team. I, I've never seen anyone play that defensive with their whole strategy, just literally based on defending with 11 people. And then Poland as well, just being very defensive. So it, it makes it very difficult. And obviously, they'll have to score, right, they, to win. You expect them to score, but... I want to see them play against a team like Belgium or France that also just tries to get the ball and create their own chances so then Spain gets more space and maybe is able to do stuff with it. But if you think about it, if if Spain is struggling to get wins against, you know, the these more low level defending teams, like you said, how are they gonna shape up against like teams like Belgium? Well uh, Belgium and stuff? also almost didn't wasn't able to score against Finland, right? Like they, they scored the, the goalkeeper scored an on goal in like the seventh fourth minute and then Lukaku scored like a bit later. But still you can't play. I mean come on, but I I think that if Spain got thrown into the knockout rounds, they're gonna get thrashed by one of the main by one of the main teams. Ima- imagine Moreno or Girard like he, he scores a penalty. Like it's such a small thing, but it would have made such a huge difference. Because then, because then realistically, Spain would have won, and you can't really say anything about it. I mean, like, Poland did have Belgium good chances. They played like shit. I'm a Belgian fan, but they played pretty bad, right? They the first half that they lacked so much accuracy, and their passes were pretty shit. But they they still won at the end because obviously Lukaku and then a nice header from Vermaelen that like led to an on goal. But imagine there's like. They don't score those because something very small goes wrong or like different, and it's zero zero. Imagine how many people would have roasted Belgium, even though the way they played would have been a small bit different. Same could happen to Spain, right? Yeah, I think only time will tell. I mean, that's assuming they even get past. But I think, do we think they have enough to beat Slovakia? 
they haven't they have just about enough to beat Slovakia, but if how they I mean how they choose to utilize that is up to Luis Enrique. But I seriously you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Spain don't qualify because of just because they can't score the goals they need. You know, the passing play and the possession ball and everything's good, but if you can't score the goals then, you know, it makes no point. Yeah, I guess we'll only I guess we'll get to see. Group F saw the French draw to Minos Hungary and Germany thump the Portuguese. Uh, the French coming in as favourites into the Hungary game actually went down by goal first and uh, took most of the game to equalise and the game ending in a one-all draw. Um, does this show that France are indeed beatable? Uh, what do we think, uh, Joshua? I think that the France, yeah, this shows that France are indeed beatable. I think that they came into this tournament highly, uh, highly rated, um, maybe a bit overrated. They have, um, they have an amazing squad, no doubt. But you do have to realize that even in every, in every squad, there's uh, some weakness. And I think with France, it's that you know maybe they have too many attackers or something, but. I think with the Hungry game, they did create chances, but, you know, they just, they failed to capitalise on those chances. They failed to actually put them in the back of the net. But um, the French defence, on the other hand, it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't exceptional, but it wasn't god-awful. So, overall, I think this has humbled the French to an extent. So, I think that if they go into this Portugal game... With the same mindset, they could probably be in for a shock. I think it... I mean, France dominated that game. And, like, they did. And they had a lot of chances that, you know, probably some of them should have been scored. If we take a look at the expected goals, Hungary had 0.44 and France had 1.97. So I think if that... I mean, that type of game happens and Hungary defended very well. But I don't think it's going to be a massive issue for them because most teams in the knockout rounds won't be as defensive as Hungary maybe were. And in most cases, they won't be missing those chances, I think. So I still very much rate France. Uh, What do you think, Philip? I think even in Germany, they showed that they underperformed to their potential, if I say it that way, because they didn't perform as well as I expected France against Germany. And yes, they did control the game, but Germany were very poor in that game. And France, they lacked, they lacked an edge, in my opinion. And they showed this against Hungary, where they struggled to grind out that victory. Something that, you know, the best of teams are able to do, even when they underperform, they manage to sit back defensively and then grind out that victory. But we, we've seen as a French team that it's definitely beatable. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they how they perform against Portugal first and then in the knockout rounds, if they even get there. Yeah. Uh, finally, just what about you, Martin? What are your thoughts on France? Um, well, I think them tying Hungary is really good for the overall tournament, right? You know, it's shown that France is beatable even though they were like the chosen team to win. But I also don't think it's that big of a deal, right? It was really 
really hot and um you know hungary was playing with so much energy with all their fans supporting them um and then you know just again benzema another striker from a team just missing such a not easy chance but something they should score um and and like i said you know next game if if it changes a little bit they score those and then they win and then no one is crying about it right so i think they're still uh, my favorites to win the tournament but it definitely has made it more entertaining to watch right moving on then to germany portugal and despite an early lead uh where ronaldo scored for portugal Germany went on to put four past the Portuguese with two own goals from Portuguese defenders. So what do we think went wrong for Portugal this time round? And maybe is this a bit of improvement that we've been waiting a fairly long time to see from Germany? Um, I'm going to start us off with Philip here. Germany surprised me. Surprised me. They played very well and they even managed to create chances. And you look at the two on goals like Bayern, that they still got in the chances where they had to force the Portuguese to make these own goals. And they played well. They played really well. As for Portugal, I think we said this against Hungary too, but they, they struggle to take control of the game. They have their... Jogo Hota and Ronaldo were very good contributing for both the goals. But they struggle to take control and break down Germany. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree. I think I'm feeling a bit smug because I think I said on the last episode that I thought Germany were going to do well in this game. So I'm I'm feeling a bit smug. But um, I think part of the problem for Portugal was sort of that first half and maybe even a bit after the first half where Germany were sort of very dominant. It took sort of until the 70th minute or something, I think, when I was watching it. I think it took something like that for Portugal to settle in the game. And like after that point, it was already sort of lost. So I think yeah, I think it's disappointing from, from Portugal. And I feel like they maybe don't really have that team cooperation or that sort of unity as a side that maybe you'd expect from them. Or, or what are your thoughts on it, Joshua? Well, I think that Portugal, they're not exactly as clueless up top as I as we made them out to be last time. I know that you know there is quite a bit of dysfunction in that in that top three or that top four, whatever it is. But I think with the Germany game, the problem was that Portugal were constantly under attack by the Germans, and you know Germany would. Decent at the back, yeah, but they did concede a bit. But at the same time, they were getting the ball up. They were going for crosses. They were going for through balls. They were, you know, they were raining havoc on the Portuguese defense, and that's what caused the Portuguese to to be put in those um, in those situations where they ended up scoring on goals. But I don't think Portugal are as bad as you know. I don't think that they're bad. I just think that it's a problem that they need to start, you know, getting possession of the ball and, you know, use utilizing their attackers more. Because if we looked at the game, they 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 can finish, you know. Um, they've learned to become, you know, they've learned to play more as a team. That's something I've noticed. Hot is less selfish, you know. Fernandez is looking for to pick out passes. Ronaldo is 
being Ronaldo. But what I think that went wrong is, again, you know, they just took fire from the Germans. Because Germany, they just went out full, you know, they went, they went guns out blazing. So, yeah, I think that Portugal need to start with this, um, with the France game. What I think they need to do is focus on their attacking play. Try not so much to be put in, to be caught out in these uncomfortable situations at the back. Try and get the ball up and try and keep the ball in France's final third. Yeah, do you think maybe there's an element as well of starting the game slowly? Or, I mean, they took very long to score against Hungary. And, I mean, that first half versus Germany was just complete... You know, the Germans really dominated that, that first half especially. Um, I mean, I don't think that they started the, the, the Germany game rather slowly. They took the lead within 14 minutes. So, I mean, with a team like France, I think that maybe they should focus on, on keeping hold of the ball, even if that means not being able to put up points that early on. But, you know, keep the ball with them, make sure that they don't get caught out at the back. And, you know, if they can, maybe try and get an early goal and then try and look for more. Okay, so basically try and attack France. Yeah, don't try and attack... France's don't... weaknesses rather than wait for France to find yours. But Yeah, exactly. Don't try and, you know, don't try and rely on your defence too much. Just try and focus on how you can get goals. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's sort of... Ironic, considering how we were all saying Ruben Diaz is sort of the best defender in the world a few <laughs> it is rather months ironic. ago. And now, you know, he's part of this sort of fragile Portugal backline. But uh, what about you, Martin? What do you make of Portugal? Um, I think almost everything has been said, except um, I actually think Portugal might not go through. Um, I think France will beat them probably with like a 2-0 which will lead them to be third um, with a pretty bad um, goal ratio, I think. So they're going to need to score some goals or or hopefully maybe tie. Um, but I, I'm, Portugal might not go through the next run, I think. I'm not sure if anyone else is like an argument against that because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not fully sure how it works, the third uh, qualifier. Well, yeah, it's you need most points. points. And if you have a bad goal difference on that, if France beat them badly, then I think they're screwed. But if it right, if they exactly. keep it at zero, maybe they could go through. I'm not really sure how the other teams are looking, but we already have someone. I mean, Switzerland have four points, for example, and they're going to definitely beat them. True. So, um, right then. But finally, uh, match day three saw an unlikely turn of events. Uh, for the Group B underdogs, Denmark going into the final game with Russia. Uh, I mean, they, they did it. They got through and they put four goals past the Russians and Finland's loss to Belgium meant that Denmark are through, which is, I think, we're sort of happy about that. Like, usually as a Swede, you know, you can't go and support the Danes, but like, sort of the whole Christian Eriksen injury thing has made us all sort of sympathise with them. And it's not it's nice to see them go through and have such a quality performance against the Russians. So just how good we think Denmark were, because some are saying maybe it's just Russia being poor. Others are saying, you know, Denmark, they're really doing, really doing good. What do we think, Joshua? Well, I was 
I was very delighted with the Denmark result last night, I have to admit. I, I celebrated hard. Um, it, I think that it was amazing football from the Danes, to be honest. Because it was all about, like, you know, getting forward with the ball and, you know, trying to attack, trying to get shots on target. And, you know, obviously a little bit of luck was involved there, but it was still amazing play. I think that Denmark deserved that 100%. And I think that... You know, I'm I'm a bit of a Denmark fan, you know, I'm not exactly fully allegiant to Denmark. I'm just, you know, supporting the dad's local. So, yeah, um, I think that I'm really happy for Denmark. Like you said, a lot of people are happy for them because it has to do with this whole Christian Eriksen sort of, you know, Denmark have been off to a really bad start ever since Eriksen's situation. And they didn't really get off to the start they needed. But this is, this is proper football. What I saw last night was amazing. You know, they started off decent. They got that first goal in the, in the, in the first half. What a goal as well. You know, second goal took a bit of, um, you know, like I said, they needed that bit of luck there. The missed pass by the Russians and then Paulson took advantage of that. Um, pen, the penalty for Russia, a bit debatable, very debatable in my opinion. You know... He he's a bit of a penalty merchant there, but still, the the response to go to to Russia pinning one back, the response was what really set them out. They really went for it after Russia scored. They 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 had full determination, you know. Even before that that Christensen goal, they were if you look at the highlights, they were putting balls into the box. They were trying to get headers on. You know, they got headers on, they got shots on, and it was a bit of decent goalkeeping from Russia. But still, the amount of chances they had and the amount of chances they took, it was amazing. So I think that they fully deserved that. And I think that they could, you know, they play against Wales in the round of 16. So I definitely think that they could reach the quarters. Yeah, that would be that would be sort of a nice thing to say. Um, yeah, uh, what do we think about Hoiberg, who I think was a bit of an unsung hero in that game, I think. He didn't score, but I still think he did. Like he did a lot of good work for them, and almost yeah, he, he was just really, really, really good in my opinion. What do we think? Uh, did he, do you have the same opinion of him, Philip? I think he's been underrated the whole season. Uh, been a great midfielder for a very poor Spurs team this year, and he showed once again now in the years that he he has the talents of an absolutely great midfielder. I think he was very underrated coming from Southampton to to Spurs and. It's great to see him perform like this in the Euros to win such a crucial game for Denmark as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think we're all, we're all pretty happy about this. And bonus for me, I got my prediction right from last game week. Um, what made what made Denmark so good is that you know, it's not that they're relying on their strikers or their or one specific or two specific players to score the goals. It's sort of like, you know. They're trying to get as much as they, you know, the football is just, you know, we saw defender score, we saw midfielder score, we saw sub score, we saw, you know, it was a whole team effort. And I think that's what football's all about. And I think that's how it should be played. And I think that's how Denmark really, and I think that's one of the key strengths with Denmark. They know how to, to play as a team and not rely fully on one player. Yeah, yeah. And it's, Almost especially after the Christians, uh, Ericsson, sorry, not Christians, I had a mental health. Um, especially after the Ericsson injury, I think they've handled it really well. 
and they've all sort of come together as a team, which is kind of beautiful to see in a way. Um, but with that covered, uh, we still have half the teams to play out the group game. So let's go over some of the more interesting fixtures to come and what each team needs to qualify. Um, we've already touched on this briefly, but England versus the Czech Republic. Um, how do we think that Southgate will be looking to line up here and what do we think play out in this game? Joshua. I think that England, you know, they'll need to utilise the best players, utilise Grealish, start playing more attacking football, get the, fo get the ball up and try and maybe pro get some service to Kane or Sancho or Rashford or someone who, who they know or, and, can and can rely on. So yeah, they need to start going forward. None of this uh, side were sideways and backwards passing. Get the ball up. Simple as that. All right. Brilliant. Um, just uh, briefly touching on the remainder of teams in Group D. How will both Scotland and Croatia look to proceed? And could the Croats end up reaching for third or maybe even second? Or do we think that Scotland could pull the three points and uh, possibly even look set for some degree of qualification? Uh, what do we think here, Philip? This is a game that could be won by anyone and it's crucial for both teams. I do think Croatia will edge it out because they have so much quality in their team to get those three points and qualify for the next rounds. All right, short and sweet. Uh, Group F has been, well, really the talking point uh, because there's a lot of big teams in there. So the final match they see is Portugal take on France while Germany face Hungary. As it stands, the French are first with four points, Germany second, and Portugal third, tied on three points, and then lastly, Hungary with one point. Uh, what what result will, I mean, the Portuguese and the French, what, what do we expect from the different teams? Uh, we'll start off with you, Martin. Um, I think it's pretty easy to predict by how the teams have been playing so far, so uh, Portugal will sadly lose from France. I think with like a 2-0, um, if I, if that, that's, I'm pretty sure the most accurate thing I can give. And then Germany will uh, maybe roll over Hungary, depending um, on how Hungary will play. Uh, maybe they, Hungary decided to kind of just give it like a, a an honor thing and also go um, play an offensive play style. But, you know, Germany will have some trouble scoring their first goal um, against a very defending Hungary. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, the odds are definitely, I think, I haven't checked, but I assume they'd be against Portugal right now because they've got France and Germany. They've got a easier Hungary. And, I mean, it's quite likely that, you know, Germany can at least get a point there. And if France beat Portugal, then, you know, we'll see Germany going through. So it'll be an interesting one to see. I don't want to really call anything, but I think Germany might be looking towards that second spot pretty favourably. What about, what do you think, Joshua? Well, I think that there's always hope for Hungary. You know, they are on one point. They could maybe get four if they're really lucky. Um, they'll have to fight it out, though. Um, it's it's hard to say, really, because it's a very tense group. Anything could happen. Um, I think the French might just edge it out, you know, with first place. They might get one or two points, you know, clear of the rest. Um I, I mean, I'd like to think, based on the football I've seen, that Germany would end up second and then, Port and then Portugal third. Hungary, unfortunately, I do think will probably end up last. And like Martin said, they might just go for like a, 
an honest type thing. They might just, you know, want to go out with their heads held high. So it's really hard to to predict. It could go either way. But from what I but I think, like I said, France first, Germany second, Portugal third, and then you know Hungary last. It'll be intense though. It'll be intense. Uh, what about you? Finally, Philip. Well, I think the same as Joshua, where Germany will get a win against Hungary and France will get a win against Portugal. Of course, we could see some altercations in that, and I'm looking forward to a good game between Portugal and France. It's going to be entertaining to see. It's going to be entertaining to see, and I think we're all sounding pretty humble about our predictions. So, uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with you in a second. Finally, just before we wrap up, let's dive into our final segment of today, table discussion. So just to briefly go over this, each host every week will be coming up with one claim or topic for a bit of a debate. Uh, the floor is open for anyone to talk, agree, disagree, have a scrap. You know, we have some sort of Jordanian politics rules in here. You know, everything is allowed, fighting, kicking, verbal assaults. You get the idea. But let's crack on. And this week, Joshua, you came up with our first table discussion. So just let us uh, know what it is and we'll hop straight into some heated debate. Sure. So my, I believe that this Euros, the best striker at the Euros so far has been Memphis Depay. Now, before anyone starts verbally assaulting me and disagreeing, I would just like to say the, that in that Holland squad... He has been phenomenal, not just for scoring goals, but he's also been creating goals. He's been, he's been really contributing to Holland's goal threat. You know, I think that Memphis Depay has really helped in all senses. He's assisted, he's gotten goals, he's created chances. And I think that's what's, you know, puts him apart from like a player like Lukaku, for example, who's mainly, you know... He usually gets goals, but he also does get assists. But I think Depay has really helped contribute to that whole Netherlands team. I just fully disagree, George. Um, so if we just go over all the Belgian games, right, and what Lukaku did. So the first game, right, scores two goals. It's just very crucial because Belgium was not playing that well. And without his two goals, it's, you know, it, it can be very close. And then the next uh, game... So you're saying that he doesn't really contribute to anything else than uh, goals or, or some assists, but he was so important in that game against Denmark. Uh, the first goal, he just gets the ball uh, at like 45 minutes away from the goal and does like an amazing sprint and then gives the ball to Kevin De Bruyne, who then passes to Durkin Hazard. But that play was just amazing, but not like no one speaks about it. And then the second goal was like his play was even better than the one before. So he gets the ball um, somewhere around the box, but then goes to the side, goes around three players, and then passes the ball to one of the Hazard brothers, who then gives it to De Bruyne and, and scores. So he was so crucial that game without scoring, which just shows how important he's been to Belgium. Um, and then, obviously, against um, Finland, he scores uh, again, and also one offside, just showing that he's just capable of scoring so many goals and it's giving him so much confidence as well, I think. So Lukaku so far has been, in my opinion, the best player of the tournament. Um, I might be a little bit biased, but I, in my opinion, the boy doesn't even come close to him. For me, it's Patrick Schick. It might be a bit controversial here, but I'm going to explain a bit. 
I'm going to be talking about mostly about the importance to his team. Now, Patrick Schick has three goals in two games. Not only does he have three goals, he has 100% of the goals scored by Czech Republic. In the Scotland game, he scored two goals to win uh, Czech Republic the game. And then Croatia, he scored the only goal to in the 1-1 draw against Croatia. And not only did he score the penalty, he also won the penalty. Now, looking at Czech Republic, they were heavy underdogs in this group against especially England and Croatia. You could debate a bit about Scotland. And they've come out firing because of Patrick Schick. And he's just been so crucial for them. Yes, Lukaku and Depay have been fantastic, but they could have and should have topped their group without Depay and Lukaku. What would, where would Czech Republic be if it wasn't for Patrick Schick in these two, after these two games? That's my question. I just think he's been more important to his team than Lukaku or Memphis Depay. I think that Depay has been... You know, Patrick Schick has been incredible, yes, but what I think edges out to Pai is that he really f- helps fit in with... He re- he really does fit in with that Dutch style of play. And, you know, he's been helping out the other players to score as well. You, you know, whenever there's a, an attack, the, whenever the, the Netherlands are on the attack, it's always Depay that's looking to get involved and create space and find gaps in play. And I think that's what's helped contribute to the... The amount of the goals the Netherlands have have achieved. Yeah, but the point is making is that the Netherlands would for sure win all their games without the bye, which I mean, I mean, they. No, no, no. But let me speak. Let me speak. Right. Yeah. So obviously, then uh, Philip's choice is way better because, like he said, um, you know, without Shaq, that you know they wouldn't do anything. They would not be where they are. Also, with that amazing goal. But then the argument, in my opinion, doesn't really count for Lukaku because, like I said, he was so important for every single game he's played. And for sure, because um, against Russia and the first half against Denmark, the Bruyne, Hazard, Witzel and all of them, you know, they, they weren't playing because they were uh, still kind of injured or resting. So Lukaku showing up and, you know, just being the most important player so far for Belgium, in my opinion, just shows um, that he's the best player best striker so far and also best player and that he'll probably at the end of the tournament be you know one of the best players of the tournament and the most uh, the highest scorer i think Sheik has put in a terrific shift for the czechs and i think he's been absolutely brilliant but i think it depends a bit on how we measure like if i could choose either Sheik or lukaku to have in my club team well i mean of course i'm going lukaku but i still think i think all three of the ones we've talked about deserve a fair bit of a fair bit of credit i think what sort of bothers me about the pipe is that he's been a bit wasteful i mean he could have scored more he he's had a few big chances missed hasn't he he's had at least two and like I'm not saying he hasn't been absolutely brilliant, because he has. But is he going to be the best if he has a few missed chances? And, I mean, for me, Lukaku just, he's so good. And Sheik as well, like, he's scored all of the Czech Republic's goals. I think maybe so far they sort of edge him out because, I mean, Depay 
the Netherlands have been scoring a lot of goals. And, I mean, he has gotten himself involved, but maybe that's something you'd maybe expect from him. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, right, do we have any final statements before we wrap this up? No, we're good. Now we're good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our third and final episode of the group stages. We'll be back with you uh, for the knockout. Hope you picked up on anything helpful from this. And be sure to follow at PubTimeFooty on Twitter for uh, updates, notifications, and news regarding the pod. There's still all to play for as we've got a few games coming up. And we'll be back next week. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye.